Does Nebulous on the Amiga tower over the competition, or does it just topple? Find out on episode 294 of Amigos. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Nebulous. Mm. Now, Aaron, this week, instead of our normal hilarious witty banter, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, episode 300. Episode 300 is coming up very, very soon. It's only six weeks away. Can you believe we're at episode 300 almost, Aaron? I find that impossible. <laughs> I can't tell you how much. It's uh, it's 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 a remarkable achievement. And uh, we want to celebrate with everybody by doing a little drawing, okay? A little drawing, a little giveaway, if you will. Uh, I have before me uh, a bag full of these Amigos Retro Gaming keychains, all right? Very and nice. we are going to hold the drawing on episode 300 uh, and give some of these bad boys away. So how are we going to determine who gets them? Well, all you have to do is get on the old Twitter. That's right, Twitter. And tweet what you want us to do on episode 300. Maybe you want us to close down the show for good. Whatever you think would be a good idea, a good segment, because it's going to be a special show. Uh, there are going to be some things that we're going to release in the coming weeks. That are going to uh, some more insights will be given, but it's going to be a, a show out of the ordinary. That means we don't know. One only reaches episode 300 uh, every so often i'm not sure exactly how often you get to episode 300 but one time um oh okay but anyway <laughs> uh, all you have to do is tweet what we should do on episode 300 and use the hashtag amigos podcast that's how we will find these so again hashtag amigos podcast tell us what you want us to do on episode 300 and we will pick as many of these things as i have i'm not sure how many are in this bag but uh we will give as many away Totally free of charge, including free shipping anywhere in the world. Amigos retro gaming keychains. Very good, Boat. Now, Aaron, we also reached another milestone just uh, today or yesterday. 4,000 subscribers on the old YouTube channel. So uh, we want to thank all of you that listen to the show on YouTube, that watch all of the uh, all the videos that we put up there, whether it's other people's streams or uh, this show or our Sinclair or whatever. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. 4,000 is a lot. It's a lot of people. What do you think about that, Bo? It's been a, we've sort of taken the slowly but surely grind. We didn't really necessarily concentrate on YouTube. Well, we didn't concentrate on it at all early on. Yeah, I'm not really crap. sure what we were concentrating on at the beginning. Well, <laughs> clearly, after listening to some of those old shows, me either. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, we've had, actually the past year has been our our quickest year of mm -hmm. a thousand. You know, so we usually you can usually uh, we usually come out around July August when we hit that that next thousand so it's hey we're rocking and rolling it's uh, uh i think part of the success is uh getting our buddies involved and i think part of it's just that uh i don't know i don't know what the rest of it is. do you have a thought on that four thousand that's not bad for a little it's, show like ours it, it, it's it's not bad at all and uh you know i think that there's people come to the channel for different things some people like to watch the video versions of the podcast some people like to check up with their favorite streamers like flack or frodo nl and uh some people just like to watch you know the the wacky occasional things that we do uh that like the odyssey 2 board game show that we did that was, and stuff that like was that one of my and favorites so, I'm, I'm yeah, not gonna lie yeah. i love that and of course one that. cannot undersell the the fact that it's the only place uh, on online that you can watch the video version of ARG Presents. That, <laughs> so they're coming for the Brent. That's where yes. the big money. 
Yeah, oh as God. Neil Maybe. just said in the in the chat, Brent is my life coach. Oh man, that's well, I would jump off a cliff, Neil, if I were you at that point. <laughs> Horrible. Anyway, thanks everyone for kicking in. We appreciate uh, you guys subscribing to us. If you haven't subscribed, get in there, get us a big subscription. We'd appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, Aaron, let's get stuck in to this week's Amiga news. Amiga news. All right, Aaron, the big news, the big news this week is that revision has begun. Revision is the uh, big demo party that's held every year. Uh, And normally this thing, I believe, is in Germany. Uh, But uh, this year it is online just as it was last year. And uh, it's it's already it's already going. It's going on right now. Uh, this is a place where you can see tons and tons of the the hottest new demos for a bunch of different machines. Uh, there's a competition that goes on, and uh, you know our own, one and only friend uh, Neil from RMC is one of the official sponsors, which I just realized as I'm looking at this page. So that's pretty cool. Uh, have you had a chance, Aaron, to check out Revision yet this year? I have not had a chance. I did hear about it last night at Discord. I've I haven't been available today, but I'll definitely check it out later on. Uh, I know this is a huge deal, and I'm glad to see they're keeping these things going despite the yeah. unpleasantness mode. Yeah the the uh, the the Twitch stream is going on right now. It's just twitch.tv slash revision party, and they also have a separate stream if you're into watching some seminars on how to make demos and things like that. That is twitch.tv slash revision seminars. So you can check it out live, or if you don't get a chance to see it live, you can check it out after the fact in VOD form. Uh, this is going to take place uh, today, April 2nd through April 5th. So you've got a lot of time still going on to watch the action. Very good. Very good stuff. Now, next up, Aaron, Amiga Addict Magazine is coming back for big, big issue number four. This one is entitled Snack Attack. And uh, it's got a, a very pleasing image on the front with uh, with some for some sweet treats on there. I think mm. one of those uh, biscuits from James Pond Two is on the front there, um, and uh, there's there's lots of great articles. Uh, this was sent to me uh, from the Jonah, the editor. Uh, it looks like they've got an exclusive chat with uh, ex Amiga format editor Marcus Dyson. There's a review of the brand new version of Amiga Forever, and something that you know a little bit about, Aaron. Amiga and Atari go head to head. I wonder if it will be as heated as the battle episode from ARG Presents. I learned a lot, I will say from that. Uh, I've got a new respect for the original STs uh, because of their price. They really, I will say that, as a cheap miser, I appreciate the fact they were so cheap and, and good. So yeah, that would be an interesting article for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the tons and tons more. You can go to Amiga-Addict.com to find out all the rest to get a little sneak peek of all the rest of the articles. But, you know, I can't recommend this magazine highly enough. Uh, they've really gone above and beyond in terms of both the content and the production quality, especially if you're in England and you don't have to pay a ton for shipping. Uh, this should be a no brainer. And even if you're overseas, you know, it's an, it's an Amiga magazine that's new for 2020 that's written, or 2021, that's written in English as its first language. Uh, it's the only one around. So make sure you give these guys your support. Yeah, they're great. Love it. 
All right, Aaron, this one's for you. I know you oh, love looking oh, at these man. things. All right. Doug is back with another video this week. He's made four or five Amiga videos in a row without a single C64 video. I don't know yeah. what that says about the, his channel, but he's he's living up to his name for sure. This is a review of a product that we know uh, a, a little bit about. This is the RGB to HDMI adapter that's yeah. sold by Frank over at RetroRewind.ca. What do you think about this, Aaron? Well, I did watch this. It was interesting, uh, and uh, he got it working. Of course, well, I will say one thing about Doug. He goes through and tests uh, tons of different crazy uh, resolutions and stuff. I mean, hey, it is what we thought it was. It's an awesome uh, bit of kit that does a good job, you know, mm -hmm. and the price is right. Uh, uh, you know, we both, uh, over the years of doing this show, we've seen the prices on uh, on these uh, video output gimmicks, and they've never been anywhere near this cheap. Uh, to pull right. off, so yeah, I'm I, I am all for it, and Doug and Doug was that absolutely loved it. He thought it was great. Now, so. now, one thing that I noticed when I was watching this video, and I should have asked, I should have asked Doug directly, but I, I thought I'd just ask you live on the air. Okay, uh, he's I'll got a vampire in this Amiga. Then he's also got the RGB to HDMI connector. Yeah. Does the vampire itself not offer you HDMI out? I'll be honest with you, I don't. I, there are many different vampires, and I just don't know enough about them. Maybe that. Maybe that's it. I maybe he's know, got one of the vampires that doesn't have HDMI. Well, I think I think that one may have been one of those, and people in the chat would probably be able to tell you for sure. But I believe that was one of those coming soon style uh, uh, add-ons that that may or may not have ever, uh, you know, may have not came to fruition. I don't know because I knew they had stuff under that. What like the SD card sort of right. was not working. I don't know what the scoop is on that. Plus, okay. there are different vampires that do or do not have them. I do know. Yeah, it looks like that. we got some comments in the chat. It says the vampire only does RT RTG over HDMI. It's not not in the native resolution. So that that makes sense. But uh, I, I watched some of this too, and uh, like you said, Doug really goes to town. If it were me, I would just fire up some games and be like, "Yeah, this looks pretty good." But yeah. he goes through a bunch of different art files, a bunch of different formats, and uh, plays some rock and mods behind him too. So it's a, it's a great video. Doug does nothing but the best stuff. So uh, make sure you check that out. Yeah, Doug Doug's on fire. All right. This next story comes to us from Amiga Love, uh, and uh, specifically <laughs> Carlos Del Almo. He is the organizer of the project of the A eleven hundred board. So uh, if you're not up to date on this thing, this is a uh, a new Amiga one thousand board that's being made from scratch. Uh, and uh, it is currently in development, and it looks like it is coming along nicely. Uh, I guess that this uh, he's what he's done is uh, it can it works with a real 1.3 kickstart, which I guess was a huge hurdle for it to overcome, and something that obviously a lot of people would want, seeing that that is going to be the kickstart that you want to use with a 1000. But I guess it also works with the Blizzard 1240 accelerator, so that's pretty cool. Uh, this thing looks really really neat. Uh, it doesn't look like any sort of pricing has come to the for yet in terms of what this thing is going to go for but this is one of these deals where you have to supply all of your own chips all you're getting here is the pcb what do you think about this thing aaron i think it's a good deal i mean i think it's a good idea now would i yank all the stuff out of my working amiga with that no but if you've got we all have seen Am amigas that have all sorts of crazy damage they're broke or something's gotten zapped or whatever mm -hmm. And you would want a replacement PCB, you know, plus as the, as the years roll on. Uh, and trust me, you could break PCBs in all sorts of ways. I can assure you of that. Uh, so it's never a bad idea to have something to replace. It's a shame that we can't have, uh, uh, there's not a huge bit of parts 
that you could just start producing some new 1,000 boards. That would be awesome, but we all know that's not going to happen because of the uh, lack of availability for those special chips. Uh, but still, it's a good, a good, it's a uh, a good project. I suspect it probably won't be that expensive, frankly, uh, because I, as I recall, the other ones I've seen weren't super expensive because really they're just boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to require a lot of uh, action on your part uh, if you buy one of these, but. Uh, I think it's. I'm glad to see someone doing it, and I don't know if they have any plans. I haven't looked into this that much, to be honest with you. So I don't know if they have any plans to, to uh, put any additional uh, functionality on these or not. They may just be straight boards. I don't know, uh, but uh, still, any way it goes, whether they increase the functionality or not, it's still something that we need to have, uh, just in case. And I can absolutely see picking something like this up and have it in my back pocket in case I needed it. You know, because somewhere down the line when they're not making these anymore, you know, might be nice to have one if you want to keep your one thousand going. Exactly, exactly. All right, Aaron, our last story of the week is we're going to head on over to RetroRewind.ca. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about some of the new products that they have. Uh, this week, we're going to do something a little different. We actually received a testimonial from one of Retro Rewind's customers. And I thought that I'd just read this to you while you sort of scroll over the wares that are available there. All right. Just in case this might inspire somebody. So uh, this person writes and he says, recently... I had a big repair project coming up, so I thought I'd give Retro Rewind a try. I ended up purchasing a C128 Diag cart, a 4-in-1 diagnostic cart, and the 64-128 test harness. I am very happy I did. This kit is very top shelf. The highlights include the test harness is fully cased, uh, no bare boards, clean solders, and even has nice and clean labels. The cabling is all fully modular. The STID test on the 4-in-1 isn't on either of my previous diagnostic carts. Anyone who uses it will appreciate having it. This cart also includes the 1541 diagnostic. My order even arrived four days early. That's something special when you're ordering from an Amiga supplier. From Toronto, Canada to Utah, USA. This is far and away the nicest, most professional kit I have ever owned or encountered. Hats off to Retro Rewind. Regards, the Slow Norris. Very good. You know, just to drive it home, we had uh, uh, International Computer Club uh, last week, and uh, Frank from uh, Retro Rewind was on there demonstrating uh, uh, or giving us a kind of a quick glance at a new product he's got coming out. And uh, he knows his stuff, uh, and he is uh, well-known in the community, and uh, I don't think you're going to ha- – I think you won't have any trouble ordering from Retro Rewind. Uh, he's a real good guy, and he's doing all the stuff in-house and taking care of business, Boot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, and as always, uh, if you uh, want to order something from Retro Rewind, uh, before you check out, make sure you type in the promo field. Go to uh, type in Amigos10. We have a new promo code for April. That is Amigos10, all caps, uh, the number 10, and you can save 10% off any order. So make sure you use that promo code. Save yourself 10%, and we appreciate and thank Retro Rewind for sponsoring Amigos. All right, Aaron, you ready to talk nebulous? Yes, I am now. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So, you know, every week we ask the same question, but I've got a sneaking suspicion, both that this one you've played before. This one I've had a cup of coffee with, as as you like to say. I mean, this one has appeared on so many different platforms, it's hard to avoid. Yes, yes. And I I was wondering when the day would come. This is one of those games we I haven't we haven't covered on any of the systems for our various shows. 
Uh, and But I knew the day would come. I didn't know which. I frankly didn't think it'd be the Amiga, but here we are. So the game we're talking about is a game known as uh, Nebulous. Now, uh, you may know it as Nebulous, but it's got many different games. It was also known in the States as Tower Toppler, right? And also, uh, there are Nintendo versions of this known as uh, Castellian. Is that right, Yes, Bo? Castellian. That's right. Uh, which I, I don't think I'd ever seen Castellian, but I, I, I had the Tower Topper for my 7800. So, uh, Nebulous, uh, released in 88, and uh, this was put out by uh, Houston. Uh, but we've actually, we'll get into Houston a little bit deeper. I want to talk about them a little bit later on. Uh, one to two players, one disc, again, released in 88. Uh, and was also had a Tower Toppler release in the States, although I've not seen, despite the fact I've seen entries for that in a bunch of places, I've not seen any uh, physical uh, games of that, so I'm assuming they're rarer than the uh, Nebulous variety. Uh, by the way, just for fun, I, don't, I, I believe, I'm trying to remember who sent this to us, uh, Bo, but lo and behold, bam, there it is. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, did you know we had this? Nebulous. I, I, I did not. That's, and that's just great. To, uh, now, this case is a little jake, jacked up, but here's what you... This is kind of a, one of those smaller ones. I'm pretty sure this might be one of the things that maybe uh, Roosh or, or sent this. I know, I'm pretty sure this was sent over. I don't think I got this in the California uh, goods. Yeah, I don't think we had any of those sort of like big uh, cassette tape-like boxes yeah. for Amiga discs. But there you've got your... Uh, of course, this would have been the... Uh, I, I haven't used this disc, but I'm assuming it's PAL. And then here's your instruction book uh, for this one. And it's mm -hmm. just one of these fold-up gimmicks Yeah, uh, that has multiple, multiple instructions. Multiple on languages on there, There probably. you go. That's right. Yeah. So, all that said, uh, again, this was released in 88, coded by a fellow named John M. Phillips. In fact, he's actually mentioned... Uh, on the on the uh, on the uh, on the cover of this or on the back, it actually mentions his name, Nebulous by John Phillips, and the music for this was done by John Phillips, and the graphics were done by John Phillips and Steve uh, Stephen Robertson. Uh, I looked to see what these guys had done that we might have heard of. Boat uh, John Phillips, he only did one game that was released. It was called Eliminator, and uh, Stephen Robertson released a game called Cybernoid. Do you, I, it seems like, do we cover Eliminator at some point? I, the name sounds familiar. But that does sound familiar. It um, sounds like a Spectrum game. By the way, a little Amiga tie-in. Uh, the music on the Game Boy version of this was done by David Whitaker. So I, was, I thought that was kind of neat. So I, mm -hmm. I found that. So you mentioned that this got uh, a lot of ports. Well, you ain't kidding. Uh, just to, I'm just going to go over some of these because there's so many. Uh, the Acorn Archimedes, the Amstrad family, uh, the ST, uh, the C64, of course. The Enterprise got it. Uh, the Game Boy, the NES, uh, Famicom, uh, DOS, the ZX, of course. Uh, and also, this got released on Palm Pilots, if you can believe wow. that. And I looked at the Palm Pilot version, and it looks very similar, <laughs> to be honest with you. There's not a ton of difference on it. Mm -hmm. This got a Tandy uh, slash IBM PC Junior 16-color graphics release, which I never saw, because I had a Tandy. Uh, and uh, it got multiple PC versions. With, it even went all the way up to uh, uh, to a uh, the basically the EGA, which is basically the Tandy graphics equivalent. So the PC had a CGA and an EGA version of this. So you had a lot of different versions of this crazy thing. Oh, I, I said... The Palm OS version, so this went on, this would go on any of the Palms. There was a lot of Palms. So they were working on, here's something you may or may not know, Both They're working on an 8-bit version of this for the Atari 
uh, XE series. Yeah, I, I believe it actually has been released. It uh, has is, is a prototype because I have played this on the on the twelve hundred XL right. before. I thought I had seen uh maybe I don't know where I would have seen it, but I thought I had seen pictures or something for the of the XE version. So, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming it looks pretty similar. In what fact, is, I want to say that it was. You said that it, it was never it was never officially released. You it was said? never officially released. Yeah. According I to what they said, I think that yeah. it was. I think that I've seen some some art, maybe some prototype artwork, where it was going to be one of the launch titles for the XEGS and have that very you know unique packaging that all those games had. It makes sense because this was the 7800 release. So right. You know, they were they were already familiar with it, as, as so many of those games were. So, Bo, ha, having booted this thing up and taken a look at what were your initial impressions of this thing? Um, my initial impressions were, you know, it had been a while since I'd played this on the 7800, which is the other, the other, just like you, it's the other platform I'd played did, it on. Did I give you a copy of this when you got your 7800? I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't think yeah. I have it. This was something that I think I just emulated. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was impressive. the The rotating tower effect is obviously the gimmick here. Yes, it this is. is. This is this is what makes the game stand this out. This game is just, the one trick pony. Yeah, it's, but, and but it's, it's got just a good some, trick. Is, it's just as impressive now to look at as it's always been. I mean, when you see an object that large rotate in that pseudo three dimensional way, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. It is. Um, so my initial impressions were this is a, it's a, it's a nice looking game. You know, it it definitely looks very much like somebody took an eight bit title and upgraded it to 16 bit. In which case, you know, they, they, they basically added a whole bunch of gradients. They made the water effect at the bottom of the tower look more realistic and they called it a day. Don't forget uh, they, the uh, dramatic sunset, right? Or whatever background. <laughs> right. They, yeah, they didn't. They didn't go to any great lengths to make this um, in, into a 16-bit title from a graphical perspective. Yeah. That said, though, uh, this game at its core is a very you know simple game. There's not a whole lot going on here, um, and uh, maybe they just didn't feel the need. Uh, and of course, people in when this was released in 1988 the software market for the Amiga hadn't really taken off yet. And I'm sure that people were just, you know, they were a lot of people were just looking for something to play. You know, so, you, uh, you, you transitioned me nicely. If I, I just want to jump in for you because you, yeah. you mentioned something that actually dovetails in something we'll talk about, which is this uh, Houston uh, Consultants or Associates, the uh, company behind this. So uh, these guys were, of course, this is a UK company of some renowned. Uh, they were founded in 80 by Andrew Houston, right? They were behind some big 8-bit titles, Boat, that we've actually touched on. Paradroid, Quasitron, Iridium were three of the big ones right Huge there. Huge titles, yeah. Yeah, and they were they were a big deal on the 8-bit scene. They were real popular amongst developers because it was basically like easy to deal with them, and they mm-hmm. would work with a bunch of different people. And But uh, they've got a rep uh, for when, when the 16-bit titles came around. Uh, that their rep was they would just basically go back to their old catalog, release some stuff with some very minor updates and then send it out. Right. And then lo and behold, uh, inevitably, these would not do well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, that that sort of trick works for a while. Yeah. But once you get once you get a little bit further in past the launch date, uh, you're going to yeah. get passed up pretty quick. So uh, the the ultimate demise of Houston technology is kind of neat uh, when you when you read this. I was look I looked this up a couple of places, and what ultimately happened was as they slowly began to, to lose talent, you know, they basically folded up. They by the way they were involved with Graft Gold. So, I mean they were working with some big big names. You know mm-hmm. we know we've covered a lot of their stuff. So 
ultimately what happened was they went out of, they went out of business uh and and but uh, when they went out of business in 91 uh they started a new company uh Andrew Houston started another company you may have heard of called 21st Century Entertainment and oh, you know what they, they did, did. They, they did pinball pinball dreams right they did they did pinball dreams fantasies illusions pinball mania slam tilt mm-hmm. uh, so they sort of uh, they took on a, a different. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it, they really the companies have nothing in common. I mean, really, if you look at the titles they released, but it's kind of neat uh, that they would pick up and move on in, in a different direction. But yeah, what you said is true. From uh, from what I read, I read this a couple places, including over at uh, over at uh, Hall of Light, they have a little write up on it uh, that uh, that basically you can't you can't always get away with taking your eight bit titles and and shifting them over, and that's effectively what this is. One thing about this game uh, is that uh, the tower gimmick, I don't know what it is about this gimmick because it's very eye-catching, but apparently also it was incredibly difficult to do. Well, because- and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. this is one of the great, uh, you know, it's one of the great accomplishments of game development is to make something look like it's hard, but not hard. Right. Um, and obviously, if you play this on any platform, that rotating mechanic is there. I fired this up on the Game Boy, on the yeah. Mister, and the Game Boy can rotate that, rotate that tower just as easily as the Amiga can. Yeah, in fact, if I can shift over to our port comparison here, I, I loaded, I just for fun, I went and got, I thought, what's one of the, what has to be one of the crappier versions? And I went and got the uh, P, the DOS version, the CGA version. And, but if you watch the tower in this, uh, it scrolls remarkably smoothly, yeah. just like you would expect. I mean, the colors are god awful, as you would imagine. But I mean, the actual the actual scrolling of the tower is fine. In fact, the game, if you you're right, I looked at the Game Boy version a couple. Of, I mean, if the games are virtually identical in terms of the actual way you play it, I mean, they're not perfect, but I mean, the gameplay is it's there. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to give these guys credit. Whatever they stumbled upon was something they could rig on any machine and they yeah. did and, and, as, and as a publisher looking to stay in business that's what you want you want to be able to come up with a game that you can port to anything and not disappoint people and i guarantee you that if you were a fan of nebulous on the amiga and you wanted a portable version to play on the game boy you wouldn't be disappointed by the game boy version i mean it plays just as well i mean if you watch the tower spin in in the dos version of this and keep in mind this is cga which is real low end I mean, the ultimate effect of, of, a, of a spinning tower is there. It's not lost. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it is impressive. So getting back to so now that we, we all can agree that the tower spinning is awesome. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about the game that they built around it. So believe it or not, this game has a goofy plot, Boat, if you'll indulge me for a moment. So uh, the, play, the, gar- the character you play in this game is called Pogo, okay? And it's his mission to destroy eight towers that have been built in the sea by planting bombs at the top of the tower. Okay, which that doesn't make any sense to me. No. There you go. So it's Pogo's job. So Pogo rolls up in his uh, in his uh, submarine, and and then land and then climbs up from there. And right, so right away, I'm just going to get something I don't like right away. I'd hate Pogo. I hate him. <laughs> I think they listen. This game's got a cool tower. And some puzzle on. So I think they really missed an opportunity with the backstory and the main character. This guy looks like 
Qbert's poor relation, basically. Dumb nose. He's, he's just, I hate him. How the heck's that thing driving around a submarine? He's got no freaking arms, man. Well, how is he planting bombs? That's what I, I want to know. I don't and where are the know. bombs coming from? I don't even know. I would say this is Amiga mascot syndrome, but since this guy's on other computers, this yeah. is just a crappy mascot. Yeah. I, I don't like this guy. And what makes it, what irritates me is his sub's pretty cool. The tower kind of looks kind of cool. They could have done something here like a, if it was me, I would have done something like a, a spy or something that would have made it a little more interesting, makes more sense. Well, Almost you, like an elevator action you do. You, type you, thing. You, you do one thing or the other. You either say Pogo is is trying to he's trying to rescue Paga, his love, at the top of each one of these towers, and each time he does it, he's foiled. You you leave out the the bomb subplot altogether, or you go the other way and you make your secret agent and you make him be the hero. Either way would have worked. But. but Listen, you. It took you what less than a second to come up with that whole love story thing, <laughs> and as dopey as dopey and generic as that is, that would still be better than what we've got. Yeah, this doesn't make it. This I hate. I hate. Let me repeat this. I don't like this guy. Okay. So with all that said, uh, is the game fun? Well, you. What do you do? You go up little platforms uh, that are slanted to get the doors to go across the tower to go up more platforms or elevators, and your ultimate goal is to sit at the top of this thing. Uh, the game is not what I would call easy. Uh, I think the game is pretty challenging, pretty difficult. I don't know how far you got, Boat, uh, when you were playing this, but I had to I had to go and look, watch people play a bunch of parts of it just to figure out what was going on. I think the game is also another problem the game has is it's incredibly cheap. Like, floor will just disintegrate under you you have no way of knowing this you just have to sort of memorize the level it's one of those and when games do that that instantly pisses me off especially when it does it on the first level within the first five steps you take Mm -hmm. you instantly get killed i instantly wanted to not play the second that that happened was it just me boat everything that you're saying i agree with 100 percent. everything yeah um this game here's the thing you can have a game like this and make it super, super awesome. Okay. Yeah. What you do is you don't punish the player for trying different things and for right. trying new things. You want to reward the player for looking for different avenues of discovering things. Okay. This game, the whole thing about, you know, if you go three steps to the right when you first start and you fall through that, 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 that floor collapses beneath you. Yeah. Okay. So even if that happens, I was like, oh, well, maybe it's a way that you can bypass that first turn and save some time. So I spent about a half an hour just trying to jump over that invisible block and was never able to do it. And and so that that this game is incredibly frustrating because just like you said, it relies on your ability to memorize the entire stage to be successful. Yeah, this is one where you have to play it over and over. To mim- and, and fall and die and yeah, and, and, there's or- no room for figuring out things organically and be able to being able to get by by the skin of your teeth. No, no, you're either gonna do you're either gonna be a pro at these levels and pass them, yeah, or anything less than that, you're gonna fail. You're gonna fail, and that's not to say that this is a poor game. The the, the controls, the game controls pretty well. 
it's it's a unique control system. Uh, Mr. Pogo is he's is he's ascending stairs. He will tend <laughs> to fall backwards if he doesn't. He's not very coordinated. They should have really sent somebody else for this particular job. Um, but he will fall off the back of stairs. You know, he'll stumble backwards for no reason. Um, but I, I didn't really find that the controls got in the way as much as the level design was just so punishing because not only do you have to avoid the uh, the the hazards that are on each individual floor of the tower, which are basically a series of uninspired blobs. There's a floating eye for no real reason. There's things that you can, (laughs) there's things that you can shoot. There are things that you have to avoid, but you also have just like the fireballs in Mario brothers. You have these, 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 uh, again, these sort of very abstract, this is like a circle surrounded by four smaller circles that uh, that goes across the length of the screen horizontally that exists for no other reason than to just knock you off, okay? And these things, these things are relentless, okay? So I can, I can live with all of that stuff, okay? Uh, one thing where this game does sort of give you a helping hand is that if you have gotten to at least the second or third floor of the tower, when you get hit, you won't die. You'll just get knocked back. Okay. And that's fine. The thing that I cannot abide in this game, in any puzzle game like this, is an overly harsh time limit. And that's exactly what this game has. Like you can work and work and work and do everything just right and only get knocked back once or twice. It doesn't matter. They might as well have just made you die when you got knocked back because you're not going to have enough time to finish the level. If you get knocked back more than a couple times, then you're physically not going to be able to finish the level because your time will expire before you reach the top. And that is no good. That is that is poor game design. You know, I found a, a trainer for this early on. OK, and so I could after playing this for five or six times, I was like, OK, so much for this time limit. I'll get turn that sucker off. Yeah. But again, you know, I'm right. trying to review the game as it I is. I know, but you're right. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I, I agree with you. Uh, I, it, the uh, the timer sucked. Now, uh, um, let's get into some of the other wackier parts. This game, like I said, it's all puzzles. You know, part of me respects the puzzles in this because they are they are in, in different. And when I say puzzles, it's just how do I get from here to there type puzzles. In fact, this is one of the this is one of those classic. I call it the shadow of the beast effect, where you can turn on indestructibility and then you can't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because there are parts of the game, and not just one, but many, where you have to be hit by an enemy to keep going, because they will actually knock you down to the next level that you can't get to any other way. Right. All right. It's clever. It's not good for if you're for your trainer, but it's cl- it's clever. Right. Uh, to do and, that. And again, I have no problem with any of that. I have no problem with the the monster placement the the randomness of the uh, one thing i do hate is when you're trying to avoid the the thing that comes across the screen by going into a door then you come right back out the other side and you still get hit that's incredibly annoying but Listen, i can the forgive game's cheap it's yeah, a cheap I, game but it is I mean, it's cheap and again you have to be the kind of person and again this is this is sort of like manic minor too where you have to be the kind of person that wants to punish yourself you have to be masochistic enough to go step by step and figure out every little thing about every level and then when you finish it i guess you feel a sense of accomplishment but for me i just i don't 
I feel like I've wasted a bunch of my time because what I have not demonstrated is skill. I've demonstrated sheer tenacity and sheer amount of free time that I have nothing better to do than sit here and freaking out, you know, figure out this level for 30 minutes that requires no skill. It just requires you to remember where things are, how far to jump and what to do. You also mentioned some other stuff I want to touch on real quick before I forget. These, this is another one of these games with these weird, abstract, idiot enemies. Okay, yes, that's a hallmark of European games. Are they cheap? Yes. Are they just weird for the sake of being weird? Yes. I assume that that all comes into the fact that you've got this little freak that is your, uh, that is your uh, character. Okay. Again, I would like to maybe. Hey, listen, maybe it's just a difference. uh, uh, It's a social thing or whatever. But I'd like to have seen. You've got this awesome tower gimmick my god this is i mean just again the enemies that this is the best you could come up with, with and again it probably it probably was on the c64 i mean there's a lot of things going oh, on oh no you could have come up with something better than this guy and these enemies it's just, I, just I, I don't have lame. the i don't have the hatred of pogo that you do i think pogo is fine as a main pogo character. sucks boat I, I do agree that I, I, I would have liked to have seen, but again, you've got, I think because of the way that these things are all bouncing around, you know, they, it's, it's a whole, like the way that the enemies move, they, they wanted to make them balls because they bounce and they rotate in a realistic way. You know, again, it's part of that tech demo side of things. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I, I, you, 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 you've tethered me back to the land. You're right there. I don't have to like it, but again, looking at this stuff in 2021, I, it's, it's hard to remember that stuff, but you're right. It's something up, but here's the thing that gets me, right? You've got this goofy looking dude. You've got all this goofy crap floating around. He comes up and sort of there's a cool guy sub. There's a yeah. cool guy bonus level that you go shoot and stuff, which that could have been made better too, by the way. That's a that's sort of a waste. I mean, you the tower is cool looking, the background's cool. You couldn't do something. I just I, I it burns me up, but I can't stand it. But I mean, if that was I, I, again, I don't think I don't think Pogo looks that. I mean, he doesn't look any dumber than freaking Jumpman or Qbert or any of those guys. Now wait I mean, a minute, don't bring deal. Jumpman into this. What jump? He looks like a man. If this would have looked like a man, I could have tolerated it. So really, you're just you're you're anti. Okay, non-man. here's what gets me about Pogo. He rides up in a cool sub. Yeah. I'm just not buying. Are it. you saying you can't be a dumpy idiot and ride up in a cool sub? Yes, because I'm gonna have to see, sell my car. Do you see me riding around in a sub boat? Hell no. You know, but I mean, this guy cannot drive a sub. He's got no freaking arms, man. And don't give me that crap that he rides it with his mind or whatever. I'm not buying it. I don't like that. I, I don't think like he rides it guy. with his feet. No. What's it's he, a series of pedals. Yeah, that'd be a lot of pedals. Anyways, all all, all that aside, this game just I've never liked this game. I knew it was coming. I'm just gonna I'm gonna condemn it right now. I've never liked it. I've played it on a million different systems, and I've I remember the very first time I saw this. I think it was on my buddy C64. He goes, check out this game I got. And he got this and he loaded it up. This is long ago when it first came out. And he spun the tower. You know, I was just mm-hmm. like Holy cow, that tower's spinning. It's like 3D, man. And then I was like, what is that? He goes, that's your guy. I was like, oh, no. And then he starts playing. And even back then, I was like, oh, this is, what the hell is this? What, that's no. And I never, I just never liked it. I don't like games where you just die randomly until you figure it out. I've never liked that. Yeah, yeah. and I mean that's, like you that's definitely chance. you you can't get by, you can't get past that. That is like I'm the same way. I don't that that's that's a that's a real bugaboo of mine. But that is what this game is. This is what it you know it does. This is this is just it is what it is. And uh, I 
it's hard for me to to say that this game is horrible when it's just not a genre that I enjoy. So I'm going to I'm going to go that way. I'm going to say this is this is a genre that holds absolutely it's not as bad as a screen by screen. It's not as bad as Dungeon Master. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, let's, no, but in terms of puzzle games, this is this is near the bottom of the pile for me. Well, I listen, here it is. I, I'm I'm not going to condemn it. I know people like it. You know, I'm going to go on the assumption. I mean, the thing is locked amongst this garbage. And okay, that's not fair either. It's not garbage. Is it a a a, a, bar- a barely touched update of an eight bit title? Yes. Okay, we could agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, music's cool in the opening screen. I like that. The tower effects cool. I mean, again, graphically, I think it could have done a lot more with the Amiga, but it is what it is. Uh, and the puzzles are clever-ish. I think it's too cheap, but they're clever. There's eight of them. I will say the game has no ending. It just says, good job. You know, put yeah. your initials in. So there's that. Uh, is this better than any other version? I mean, it may look better, but ultimately they're all about the same. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea. So I'm not going to kill it. Now, get this boat. I've been waiting to tell you this. So before we get to the ratings and all that other crap, I looked this up on the old uh, uh, wiki, okay, to see what was going on. This game was voted best original game of the year at the Golden Joystick Awards vote. The ZX Spectrum version is number 30 in the Yours Sinclair official top 100 games of all time. Of all time. The Amiga, get this, you ready? Brace yourself, hold on to something. Amiga Power rated this the 14th best game of all time. 14th best game. All right, now, you may like this game. You may hate it. You may be somewhere in the middle, but I don't think any of us are going to say that this is the 14th or 30th best game of all time. No. No. What do you think? I think that this is a game just like Shadow of the Beast that has a lot of flash you know, you can't. It deny, don't have that much flash. You can't deny that it's visually impressive, and for a lot of people, this was probably one of the first puzzle platformer games that they ever played. You can't deny the nostalgia factor with a game like Nebulous. I mean, this is a game that if you're a kid, you're going to be instantly impressed by the tower. You're going to think that the guy looks kind of cute and kind of cool. Pogo's like your old friend that you want to hang out with. You know, he's not intimidating. Pogo is in the right position to where you can run up behind him and kick him like a football. I'm mean, just walk up and just put your foot right in his hiney and go and, and kick for the uprights. This is what I do. If I I topple this guy's tower, he'd be in the ocean. I'd be stealing this dude's sub. They need a cool guy running that sucker. All I'm saying is that for these lists, people go off their first impression almost all the time. Like, where's Shadow of the Beast on that Amiga Power list? I bet you it's in the top 50. Listen, and I guarantee you that Shadow of the Beast is not in the top 50 Amiga games We of all both time. have similar. We both have similar views on Shadow of the Beast, okay? But, Sucks. listen, no, well, that, no, it does yes, not. It does. No, as, a, as, a, as a game, it's, it's a not freaking that, tech demo that masquerades as a game no, that you've got a no, t-shirt no. with. It's, but I mean, there. This game is more of a game than Shadow of the Beast. We'll go. We can go yeah, there. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, it deserves to be ranked this, higher than Shadow of the Beast. Don't compare this graphically or audibly to Shadow of the Beast or atmosphere wise. I mean, that's what Shadow I the would Beast give it. Had. I would put it in that same graphical category where you have it. You have a gimmick no. that looks super cool. With Shadow of the Beast, it was the parallax stuff that looked awesome. In this game, it's the rotating tower. 
Well, but I'm saying the rotating tower. Also, when you've seen, we've seen Shadow of the Beast on other machines and it was horrible because they couldn't pull it off. We've seen this on every machine, calculators. Yeah. You now, can play yeah, this on your but, fridge. But people at the time didn't know that. They'd think, only the Amiga makes it possible. No. I, dude, they knew that. This had been out in 87 on every other machine. They knew. Give me a break, Boat. Maybe You're they forgot. Me. So, now, <laughs> you're becoming the Brent. I'm not going to fight you. We don't like the game. So, I'll look this up. Now, uh, 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 Lemon has this has two listings for this. Uh, the Tower Toppler listing only has the 7.36 as a score. That's all they've got. But I did find reviews on the Nebulous side of it. Ironically, Nebulous scores 7.57, so it gets... T- point two higher just because it's got a better name Mm -hmm. so get this (laughs) here are your reviews for this game now keep in mind 14th greatest amiga game of all times these are the scores it received right uh 8880 gamer one you ever heard of that one i haven't Mm. 73 percent okay uh amiga computing uh gave it an 84 amiga power they really love this game they gave it a five out of five Five out of five. Uh, Commodore user gave it a 92%. The Games Machine gave it an 89. The One gave it an 88. The average score, when you add all this stuff together, was 81%. So uh, a solid uh, B minus. Now, game. let me ask you I didn't get a chance to ask you this before. Yeah. Would you, if you were going to name this for the American market, if the, would you have called this Nebulous or would you have called it Tower Toppler? Here's the thing Nebulous, I. Nebulous is a good name. If this is a cool guy game with a sub and there's cool crap going on, then you got Nebulous. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty cool name, Nebulous, right? Mm-hmm. Tower Toppler fits this game better, in my opinion, because it tells you what it is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, uh, neither one of them are exactly. I guess Tower Toppler fits the game. Nebulous fits another game, like a shooter or something, something cooler. Because I think that's a pretty. What do you? What do, I, do you like that? This is yeah. I, I I would have called this Tower Toppler because it's it's first of all it's alliterative and that's the key for selling a game. Yeah. And 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 the second and, and it, it it tells it tells you what you do. You know. It, and and it, it's, it's 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 I think that's a great name. I think Nebulous. Yeah, that sounds like a Psygnosis shooter to me. Absolutely. Right now, you know, before we go, take a look. You know, you can see the video on the screen if you're watching. Look at look at Pogo here. Are you telling me that's a cute character? Yeah. It's the it's the butt end of a pig with two eyes strapped on the front and he's green. You know, what he does kind of look that? he does sort of look like the cute version of one of those enemies from Gods. I will give you that. <laughs> there you go. Can't, you know I'm nothing, not wrong. Nothing to add to that. Oh, I eBayed this. If you want a copy, this one up for sale now, 27 bucks boxed. I wouldn't go that far. I'm sure another one will pop up. Uh, if you uh, want the disc only, seven bucks. Take it to the house. Now uh, yeah, we did get I some. Uh, we did get some Discord reviews for this, Aaron. Oh, please let me hear what these guys have to say. Graham W. Vebke writes, "What could be better than Nebulous?" I can tell you a lot of things. <laughs> he goes on, "Such an original puzzle game with a rotating tower." Timing is the key to success here, and once you figure out a level, there's a real sense of achievement. You also need to decide if you avoid, shoot, or let the enemy hit you, which makes you fall. The bonus rounds are simple shooting-type minigames, which are nice. I first played this a long time ago on the C64, and I think I prefer that version still. 
The colors on the Amiga are almost blinding at times, and this is an example of 16-bit development not having the restrictions of 8-bit. The sound effects are basic, but better on the Amiga, but musically, the C64 SID chip is just magic. The animation is smoother on the Amiga version. Overall, a game worth your time, but given the choice, I would play an 8-bit version. 8 out of 10. Barkbit writes... Nebulous is a game that, much like the Rick Dangerous games, you must play over and over again to learn the traps and tricks to make progress. The concept with the rotating tower is solid, and the bonus games make for a simple breather in between levels. Sound and graphics are basic, but fine. My only gripe is the difficulty level, which ramps up too fast, 7 out of 10. Yeah, at the exact second you start the game, it instantly ramps up. (laughs) How did Psygnosis not get involved in this? This is... (laughs) Flack writes, I was a huge fan of this on the C64, and this was my first time to play it on the Amiga. The Amiga version has more colors and more advanced sound than the C64 game, but it's essentially the same game. The levels are fun and challenging, but in the end, it's all about memorization. Such a simple and fun game. I'd like to imagine the main character is Qbert's cousin. Eight out of ten. Flack's with me. He's a cute guy. (laughs) Pixels at Dawn writes, Nebulous. I find myself in a weird position with this game. It's great looking and great sounding. It's a great fun game. And I just managed to complete level one for the first time, even moments before writing this. Re- <laughs> yeah. Oh, for the first time ever, moments yeah. before writing this review. It's so hard. Even figuring out what to do isn't enough. Execution is key. It reminds me a lot of the modern game Super Meat Boy in that respect. A class act, but I would have loved an easier time at least to start with. Oh, and ditch the live system, as always, 7 out of 10. And finally, Da Crabs MTG writes, Aaron told me it's his favorite game. Enough <laughs> said, 11 out of 10. Oh, you crabs are killing me, Crabs. You know, I don't know if you're looking at the chat here. Their boys are in rare form here, including, my, they wanted to call it Pugulus Tower, and my personal favorite from Edmund, Pig Frog Tower. That's exactly what he is, a pig frog. (laughs) Pixels likes Nebulous, dude, is a better hero design than Mario. So clearly, it is a European thing, Boat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so... Uh, you know, maybe this is just a game that is, you know, it is, it just, we don't have the cultural mindset to appreciate. It must be that. Cowboy and that's why, that's why we have the community to tell us no. when we're wrong. Well, is that what they're telling us? That's what they're telling I don't think us. That's, that's what the message I'm getting. I don't think they're, they were dead on. That's <laughs> what I think they're saying. All right. Well, speaking of dead on, let's leave uh nebulous Aaron and let's <laughs> talk about what's been going on over on the Amigos retro gaming YouTube channel this week. No problem. I'm more than happy to go. So we had a pretty busy week this week, boat for once. I'm not going to lead. We don't have a video for this, but I do want to touch on it. Uh, and because the video is coming soon, we had the, uh, the uh, third gathering at International Computer Club. We'll talk more on it when the video comes up, but I would call it a pretty big success, and everyone had a lot of fun. Uh, we had some special surprise guests pop in. What were your overall thoughts, Boat, briefly? Best night of my life. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Well, there you go. A ringing endorsement for Boat. Uh, so let's get on over to what's going on with me and the brand, because I know people are just they're clamoring for more the brick coverage. Here it is. We did C64 cartridge games, Boat. Uh, cartridge games. Now, I did not realize there were 18 kabillion cartridge games for the C64. Did you know that? I did not know that either. Like you said at the beginning of the show, you're like, could there be 10 or 20? And there's something like 8,000. Yeah. So. <laughs> I thought this would be a much more difficult 
gimmick, you know, to to find, but it wasn't. So I'll play a game I actually found on one of my Atari 8-bit streams called uh, Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder didn't get over with the bread. And it didn't get over with the boat either. Well, I liked it that more than the Atari. game was horrible. Well, I, I, yeah, it, it, it had a lot of potential boats, but it was, yeah, they kind of dropped the ball. I wouldn't say it was horrible, but they, another it, game it, was, it didn't live up to its Activision brethren. I, well, I'll say yeah. That. I will say, after watching uh, Flax stream from the other night, we'll get into that. But yeah, that game was, I wish I'd played that. Uh, the Brent went out and picked himself up a game, and th- which is awesome. Yeah. Once this again, game the Brent. I hate yeah. to give the, the Brent the credit here, but, uh, 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 Andy Finkel made himself a heck of a game when he did Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. It's like four or five games wrapped into one beautiful box. Uh, you fly in a Pegasus, you kill dragons, you shoot, you kill freaking uh, bugs, you avoid bats, the whole nine yards. A heck of a, a game. So, Brent, that's two in a row for the Brent. I hate him, but it was a good game. So, if you're interested in uh, checking up on the ARG Presents gang, we're there every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Now, Aaron, uh, I want to. I think I, I'm afraid you're going to skip by this if I don't mention it. Okay, please. I played a little SG1000 uh, last week, and I, I I found a game that you need to check out. And that game, Aaron, is Dragon Wang. Dragon Wang. <laughs> oh, okay. No, you're right. I didn't see these. No, well, Aaron, I'll tell did you. Did you play it because of the name? What do you think, man? Well, when you see a game like Dragon Wang, you don't pass it by on the well, list. You know I don't know. I might. I might pass that one by. Now, the best thing about this game is that you can see your player name right above the life bar. What are you known as, Aaron? D-Wang. That's right. That'd be a great rap name. That's right. So if you want to roll roll through the streets like D-Wang and, and, and kick some sucker butt, you can do it. This game, Aaron, this game is is, is kind of garbage. I noticed that D-Wang is just out there buff, shirtless. <laughs> and this looks, I mean, someone must have played Kung Fu Master and said, said we can do better. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to check out uh, D Wang and his clan, you can uh, you can check out this little uh, let's play video I did for the SG one thousand. I really like the SG one thousand. There's a lot of there's a lot of interesting games on there for sure. Yeah, that's 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 a nutty one there. D, <laughs> very good boat, very good boat. Why don't you talk us through this next one? You went back and revisited Pinball Dreams. Yeah. So you know, I. I I finally had the chance to uh, to play some some Amstrad CPC stuff yeah. on the Mister, and I couldn't I couldn't let the opportunity pass without checking out Pinball Dreams. And I will tell you that it is just as impressive to play as it is to look at. This is, is this one the, of the most monumental. This the first time you played this on the Amstrad. Book? It is. It yeah. is. Uh, I couldn't believe how smooth. I mean, I knew it looked good because I'd seen videos and stuff, but the, yeah. the the touch, the you know, the flippers and everything, it acts just like the Amiga version. I yeah. mean, obviously, the Amiga version is going to look a little bit better, but this Not is an amazing much, accomplishment. Yeah, and it's it, they even did the the intro screens and everything. So yeah. I played I played this for a long time. I spent a ton of time on Steel Wheel. I actually, and the songs uh, are good. Yeah, this was uh, this was a. Um, this was a real treat for me. So if you want to check out, I play a little bit on each table. Beatbox is my least favorite table on the on the set, so I didn't spend a lot of time with that. But uh, you can check out all four tables and uh, and see what you think. You know, it's funny. I, I believe it was uh, ARG presents what we covered this on, a, on an Amstrad episode. So I played this, and it was it was very impressive uh, from back uh, from yeah. And Dave was- Velociraptor mentions that wait till you see Vespertino. This is that racing game that yeah. looks sort of like the Lotus game. I cannot wait for yeah. that. That's going to be so much. You know, that, so cool. This shows you, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people knew this already, but maybe some didn't. 
the Amstrad, he perceives it was a uh, was a machine that was the service of its uh, of its gameage was only scratched. I think this thing could have really cranked out some awesome games, but back in the day, yeah. So maybe this is hey, maybe we're gonna a resurgence is coming. But yeah, well done on that. Um, so let's talk about well, well, from something really good to something really really bad. So last we- last Friday, I I got a frog. I had to go, and so we decided to play Windows three point one games. Yeah, uh, this was the weirdest night I can remember. <laughs> These <laughs> Windows games are goofy as heck. I mean, goofy way out there or dirty, depending on what you want to see. Uh, uh, I guess the highlight of this would be. Uh, well, yeah. I can't I'm believe sure you're, even, you're even thinking about this. The highlight was the Barbie game. That <laughs> well, was the that was the highlight. Yeah. That is the most clipped this channel has ever been. Everybody in the chat was clipping clipping clips of you left and right. Well, listen, they I believe it was our good friend Grab W Vebke who demanded Barbie coverage, and I I I can't say no to Graham, man. And so we went in there and went to work on it, and uh, man. I pity the little boy or girl that picked this Barbie game up. This thing sucked. I mean, for one thing, when you made changes to the decor, they went back to normal when you went back to the room. What's yeah. the freaking point? The mini game sucked. It just sucked. Although I will say I did enjoy the horse, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, I, and also the conversations between Ken and Barbie are exactly what you thought they'd be. Just <laughs> vapid, low-level idiocy by two models. This is like the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Uh, but we played a lot of DOS games uh, uh, most were horrible. I mean, most were really bad. I mean, not DOS, but Windows 3.1. So if you want to watch uh, some stupid crap, come on down and check out the Friday night stream for Windows 3.1. It's up and on what, what are you going to be streaming? Are you going to be streaming tonight, Aaron? I am going to be streaming. I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet. I was taking some, no- oh, I was taking some, uh, uh, some, uh, requests before you came back. So I, I'm not 100% sure yet, but we will be getting it on tonight. Okay, now, Bo, you want to talk about this one? You want to go into any detail on this? So Springster is coming up this month's uh, Coco game. Uh, There's going to be a new episode of the Coco Show that's going to debut uh, this week. And so we are already getting the wheels are turning for uh, episode, I believe, 20 of the Coco Show, which is going to be Springster. So I thought I'd play a little bit of Springster on the Mister, put it up there. This is an interesting game. Have you played this one, Aaron? I own the cartridge for this, if you believe it or not, mm. uh, Boat. I, I have I played this years ago. Uh, it's been a long time since I played it. It's sort of, yeah. as I recall, uh, it's sort of like uh, a Cuberty uh, Crystal Castles affair. Well, uh, it, it it does have some similarities. This yeah. is going to be a fun one to talk about because there's some really unique play mechanics. Again, the Coco never fails to impress in terms of you know what what they manage to get out of the system. This is a Coco three exclusive, which is 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 odd uh, when you look at it. It doesn't look like it should be, but it is. It also requires well, 128k of RAM. It's pretty good. It looks okay, yeah. you know. But it's, um, it's not but uh, but anyway, stay tuned. Like I said, if you want a sneak preview of what the game actually is and you don't have the ability to play it, check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. So, uh, let's now. You're going to explain this one to me. I haven't seen this one either. So this is this. I you know I wanted to play a kendo game, and yeah. so I, I searched online, and I was like, "What is the first kendo game?" As far as I can tell, Championship Kendo for the Sega SG One Thousand was the very first kendo game ever released on a home video game system. This looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Unfortunately, I I, I guarantee you that it was 
part of it is that it doesn't play very well. And the other part of it is that I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. As you can see, there are sort of like domino shapes on the bottom that are lighting up. I think those are the things that my, the coach wants you to do. Yeah. And of course, I, I don't know. I can't read Japanese, but uh, it, it's a colorful game. Uh, and again, just the SG-1000, just a lot of games that I never even thought about playing before. So I'll be I'll be going back to that system time and again. Yeah, I'm sure when you saw that this came out and that, you didn't have to uh, twist your arm to get you to play no, that day. No. Yeah, I know you love that system. Uh, okay, now, this just the other night, I was I was there live as uh, our good buddy, Jack Flack, played himself a little Park Patrol on the C64. Now, we were introduced to this one last year is that i think it's the first time i've played it i may have played it back in the day but i'd forgotten it i don't know about you no uh, well this is a game that your friend hose introduced me to yeah this game here is a is a a great this right here embodies activision on on a pc uh this is outstanding game and flack shows you all the uh, tricks of the trade including crap i didn't know about secret plants and uh how to re how to restock your guys' energy yeah. to hold on yards. This, uh, uh, unlike Pathfinder, this is a fantastic example of yeah. a late period Activision game yeah. that is a ton of fun to play. Oh, you ain't kidding, pal! This is this has got to be one of my favorite C sixty four titles. Uh, but I wonder if it's got really released anything else. This, it didn't. This, I think this, this was a C sixty. Well, I, it definitely didn't come out on the Atari eight bit. It might have yeah. got released other places, but C sixty four is always where I play it. Do you think the Atari eight bits could have played this? Uh probably this is this is a pretty graphically impressive game at the yeah, sound the music the way I they think handle it, the music. i think it could be done but uh, at the time that this was released i think that the st was already looming on the horizon and the c64 just had such a much longer shelf life i don't think it made sense at the time to continue to put it you know to manufacture stuff for the eight bits yeah yeah fair enough fair enough anyway and by the way i want to mention that uh uh Flack has released uh, the second part of his 200th episode celebration where he, uh, if you're into uh, You Don't Know Flack, I strongly recommend that if you're not, you should be. Uh, and he goes back and looks at every episode. Uh, but have you heard this yet? The, his new, I have new not one? listened to it yet, but I know that it's out there. I got to hear it on my way back from prison the other day, and uh, it was great. Uh, and a lot of those episodes that he went over, I'd, I'd forgotten about, and I got to go back and check them out. But it was really good, really interesting. Uh, congratulations to Flack for hitting the big 200. Yeah, and uh, of course, check out Sprite Castle, Flack's uh, other big show, uh, which I believe he'll be doing. Park Patrol will be the uh, will be. Yeah, the I think game it's I think it's coming out sure. this week. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So please check him out. Always good. Our good buddy Jack Flack. Um, Boat. I want to have a look here. Now, what can you want to? Uh, you want to? Uh, did you get to see Frodo's stream of this? I actually watched this one. Do you remember seeing this one? I have not seen. I think that the, he did this one a while back. And this it's is just, a, yeah. I mean, yeah. This was Frodo. Frodo has been going through during the first year of systems, and this was the second half of the first year of the NES uh, boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> of course, the NES. Let me newsflash: they had a pretty good first year. Frankly, yeah. in my opinion, the the, the uh, launch lineup was strong in the in in the states. Well, for sure. it helps when you launch your t- system over in Japan a while back and then kind of move it around. That's right. You've got, you you pick you pick on. your winners and you only put out the good ones. So I will say it's funny. You know, we don't do a whole lot of NES coverage. I know you like the NES, and I, I don't hate it by any stretch. But when you look at the games on it, it's amazing. If you think about when they came out and what else was going on at the time, it's quite remarkable. Yeah, the way they yeah. look, the way they play, the sound—I mean, it really was. Well, there, there, there's a reason. I mean, there, there's a reason why it became what it was, and it was because you know, in in so many cases, in so many genres, 
things were just happening on the next level graphically, musically, yeah. gameplay wise. Yeah, it was it was quite a quite quite a system. Hey, before we roll out uh, on of our YouTube stuff, I also want to do a quick a quick uh, a pitch to our good buddies who are at Pixel Gaiden. They have just released their new uh, episode that came out. I think it came out uh, two days ago, I believe, two or three days on the 1st or the 31st. Uh, that's always a good time. Uh, Pixel Gaiden guys are real good, and they cover a lot of retro stuff, mostly retro, or as they call it, modern retro. So if you're into uh, looking for a good, solid podcast with some with some real uh, interesting fellows hosting it, I strongly recommend you check out Pixel Gaiden, Boat, which cool. I know you do. I do, I do. That's all we all got, right. Boat. All right, man. Well, oh, do you want to talk about what you and Neil got into? So the, we, we we just recorded an episode about the Atari NFT sneakers, Aaron. What do you know about NFTs, Aaron? I don't. I have no idea what they are. <laughs> now the, this Aaron, the, this episode has not gone up yet, but That's by right. the time that by the time that you hear this, fair listener, uh, this episode will be up. Uh, it is currently uh, getting ready to go. But we talked. We did. Um, so NFTs are non-fungible tokens. These are things that you buy that it's basically an entry on the blockchain that say that you own them. So get ready, okay? Because I'm going to tell you about a virtual sneaker, all right? It's a sneaker. That's a, it's a computer-generated image, okay? And you uh-huh. can own this thing, and it's sold, get ready, $3,000. I don't know. Wait a minute. You know, I know this isn't out yet, but I, now you can't just say that and then walk away. So what you're telling me is, when you purchase this shoe, you don't. There's not an actual. Okay. Shoe. Well, first of all, let's put "shoe" in quotation marks because you don't actually get a physical item. Right. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. So, what is your money doing? So, your money is going to Atari and making them wealthy. Atari's involved in this. Atari is the. They are the makers of these shoes because the shoes have an Asteroids logo on them. Uh huh. Yeah. So. And so- and How so, but that's not all, Aaron. Things. What you can do once you are the owner of that shoe, uh-huh. okay, that doesn't stop other people from, you know, like making a copy of that image yeah. and, and and doing whatever they want to do with it. But what you can do is you can go on Instagram and you yeah. can take a picture of your foot with a sock on it. And then you can use another app to put that virtual shoe on your virtual sock. And then okay. you post that on Instagram, and then people admire you. Who admires you? No, Dollars. I might need that last that that last part up. So but, why a shoe? So that, well, what you're saying is, oh wait a minute, hold on, give me a second here. Yeah, go you're ahead. You're telling me that someone has purchased a virtual mer- virtual merchandise, all right? Yes. Uh, that is a of a physical variety, but not, not it's a physical shoe, but it doesn't exist. It, why a shoe? Well, that, that's a good. A that's, that, that's a good. That's a good. Um, a good question. And from what I could tell, is that they're Atari partnered with another virtual shoe company. Uh-huh. It's they're called RTFKT Studios or something like that. Who named and, that? And they and they have recently put out a solid gold virtual shoe that sold for thirty thousand dollars. Right, but I mean, so there, there's, there's no actual. Couldn't I just say, listen, this thing's made of like kryptonite mm-hmm. and it's uh it's it's a mega shoe and i could call it the mega kryptonite shoe i mean right. saying it's made of gold who cares gold now, here now now i'm gonna give you you know we now i'm gonna give you the actual legitimate case for for this sort of a thing i okay? gotta hear this 
Okay. So when you own art, like if you're an art collector, okay, uh-huh. a lot of the art that you own, you never actually see. Okay. You buy the art because you, you like it and you want to invest in it. And, but the most important thing is that you think it will increase in value. So oh. a lot of people that own art, they never actually have the art hanging in their house. It's in a storage locker somewhere. Okay. 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 But they so, own it and they can go get it if they wanted it. Right. Right. Okay. So when you buy one of these NFTs, uh-huh. what you're banking on is that because the, the thing about the blockchain is that people know that you are the owner, no matter what people know that you're the owner. Uh-huh. The thing that you're banking on is that at some point in the future, somebody will want to buy this NFT off you for a greater price than what you paid. Okay. And they, the actual item itself, like the physical item, there is no physical item. It's just like the, you're owning this thing, you know, and you can sell this thing. It's like, why is the Mona Lisa still so valuable when you can go out and you can buy a print of the Mona Lisa at Walmart for $10? It's the fact that you own the original copy. Uh, but it, and so there's is it exists. Right. That's well, the I difference. Mean, the difference is that it exists. This is the stupidest crap I've ever heard, dude. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Now, let me tell you something. If, if I could sell a virtual tennis shoe to some slack-jawed idiot for three grand, let me tell you something. I'm going to be the virtual tennis shoe master. I will fire these things up. I can come up with all kinds of credible designs. The fact that people are willing to play. If you've got three grand to spend on that, you are you are filthy rich, my friend, or just incredibly stupid. What idiot would come along and try to buy the shoe from this guy? Well, that, that's to, it's it's yeah, it's the greater it's the greater fool theory. The greater so fool theory states that you're banking on someone being even more foolhardy yes. and stupid than you are. 100%. Well, that's a good bet these days. Yeah. Now that I think about it, <laughs> now I'm starting to turn the corner on this. I go out and spend money on the stupidest thing I can find. Then I advertise that I've got it by putting my shoe, my foot, or whatever in, in a virtual version of it. And then I just wait for some bigger idiot with more money to come along. That's Bam. a good bet. I think there I turned go. the corner, but I see it now, <laughs> man. No, I'm serious. Because you can always find... Look, look how much people pay for goof. Think about people that buy pinball machines, arcade machines, weird, classic, retro gaming computer parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, does anyone in the world care... If you've got a, a an accelerator for your Amiga 4000 that goes at 10 kibillion, they don't give a crap in the real world. Only in this little sect of people that they would anyone care. No one would give you any real money for that. So it's sort of along those same lines. You just got to find right. another sect of people. These have to be real stupid people that are willing to deal and trade in virtual goods. Right. That you, I mean, you, you're nailing it. That is exactly what you're, you, you've distilled it down to its essence. Although it is crap. I mean, you're not down with this, are you? Is this going to be a boat thing where you try to convince me this is a good thing? No, no. I mean, the idea of a virtual collectible is weird to me because Uh the whole idea of a collectible is like, I like having it. Like, I like having a thing. This would be like if those comic books went up in value that you bought, like PDF versions of or whatever. Or those trading cards from Disney. Do those go up in value too? Yeah, well, that, that's the that's the whole thing is like because of the way that these are marketed through the blockchain and you can establish ownership because, again, when you're talking about high dollar collectibles, it's all about the provenance. It's all about who bought it from who bought it from who. And if you can track that back to the original owner and, and say, well, I'm the original owner and I can prove it, then your thing becomes a valuable thing. 
it's it's no different than Bitcoin, you know? Listen, if you ever see, if I ever walk on the show and say, hey, Boat, I spent 10 large on this virtual swing set or patio furniture, whatever it is, I want you to dump some arsenic in my uh, Long Island iced tea, all right? Because something's went wrong. If that ever happens, I'm just telling you right now. I can't wait to hear this episode of this. You've never pushed an episode of This Week in Retro to me like you just did. Because I want to see you and Neil break this down. And Neil, I know you're in the chat room here, buddy. You better come out on the right side of this one. That's all I'm saying. There's no pressure. I'm not saying go retape it. But if I get on here and Neil's like, I fully endorse this. I will be st- I'll be as stunned as I've ever been. That's all I'm saying, Boat. All right. Well, anyway, you can check out This Week in Retro on your favorite podcatcher or on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel, and you can hear all about it. You've got to check it out now. You've got to check that out. (laughs) I demand it. And then get back to me. That's it. All right, Aaron. We roll on. We roll on to the Amigos Discord community and their high score challenges. We had one that just wrapped up, and it was the International Karate uh, High Score Challenge. Oh, man. This one was very well thought. And uh, what am I saying? It wasn't well thought at all. Z9K9 won again. Z9K9 <laughs> always wins. That's his job. He's That's a karate he master, dude. Uh, Among other things. But, uh, you know, Sundown and Lord Soup both gave them runs for the money. We did have seven people take place or take part in the uh, IK Plus challenge. So pretty good numbers this 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 month. Uh, so uh, the next game is going to be it just launched. It is Top Hat Willie. What do you know about Top Hat Willie, Aaron? I think I watch his uh, YouTube show. Mm, mm. Oh, no, wrong guy. No, I don't know anything about that. I'm assuming it's a penguin of some sort. I, I don't know. It's got to be the name it, Top so. Hat Willie. Is that's got to be a penguin, doesn't it? I, there's probably a good chance it's a penguin, yeah. but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna place all my bets on on whether it's a penguin or not. Um, and of course, the Specky High Score Challenge with R Type still rolls on. Uh, Z9K9 at the top of the charts there, though Buck Owens right behind him. <laughs> and Buck's uh, no slouch, by the he's way. He's no slouch yeah. at all. So yeah, you can uh, take part in both of those. Those are constantly rolling over on the Discord. Again, if you uh, if you support uh, our show through Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/AmigosPodcast, you get access to all of the Discord server, all of the challenges, all the channels, or you can uh, you can subscribe Everything. to this on Twitter. Which, either way. Yeah. All right. Aaron, the time has come to talk about the Twitch people since we just started talking That's about Twitch. We do record Amigos live on Twitch every Friday. This week we did a little bit early, uh, but uh, next week we'll be back on schedule around 5 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, you can support the show by subscribing on Twitch, just like the following folks have. We got Macintosh Librarian Mitsuyama. Pints and Amiga, Orom, Eora4077, Frodo and L, Chronosnet, Captain Chaos DK, Jigglebox, Buck Owens, John Marshall 3, Christian Russell, Retro Rewind CA, Still Adolescing, L. Curtis Boyle, All Hail, Blue Train, The Slow Norris, MC Cheesers, Yolo Wookie, Mr. Sebastian, JK, JB, Dark Anubis, Gary Heather, Drummer, Level Lord, Da, Crabs MTG, Jason Warns, Texas Footballer, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, Retro Jerry, 48K Ram, Uber Scuba Diver, Rob O'Hara, Lord Soup, Lamatza, Peeplo, and Negsol. Thank you guys so much for supporting us through Twitch or giving us that subscription. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Aaron, last week 
Um, we we only got a couple a couple uh, right answers. I was frankly I was surprised because I thought that this one was easier than what it was, but we only got four. The answer last week's Patreon song challenge was "I'm Only Sleeping" by the Fab Four by the Beatles. Um, it was this is kind was of a fly. deep cut, you know. It's yeah. definitely not not a single. But um, L. Curtis Boyle, right off the bat, got it. I know he's a big Beatles guy. He had the gall to imply that John Lennon sang it better than I did, which I didn't appreciate at all. I can't believe you sang it. Uh, Mitsuyama also got it correct. Pac Billy and the Slow Norris. Congratulations, one and all, for getting that correct. You know, you need to leave the Beatles alone, in all honesty, but you're literally, you're ruling the entire, their entire back catalog is being ruined by you. This week for the Patreon song, we have it's another it's time for another. It's one of your favorite weeks, Aaron, because I don't sing. Yes. This is a full band Patreon band recording. So uh, if you know the answer, please don't uh, put it in the chat. Instead, send it to me at John at Amigos podcast dot com. And I'll announce your name as a winner on next week's episode. Let's do it. Level on John Marshall, Matthew Perron, with 
DeRosha, creepy dead boy, the contingency, the slow noise, the talking autism, heaven, cameo, weather, stuffy pine, the hassle, Rabbi Abbott, the boots, flowing shoes, they bet the iron, Battersby, and Brian Jeffrey, British for Harrington, Gary Huff, Duncan Styles! Tapes from the clip, Josh Nen and Bradley Jonas, Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson. In Tommy Humberstead. Hey! Daniel Baxter. Bruno Barracuda. Darren Carl's Jason Warhorns. Pixels at Bam! There it was. Yeah. Not bad. Well saying. Well done, boys. So good job, everybody. Uh, yes. Again, uh, we want to thank Reflection for playing guitar on that one. Uh, Pixels of Dawn for the vocals. Uh, we got Figgy on the keys. He's, he's, a he's, he's, he's the synth uh, synth mastermind. Yeah. Boss man on drums. Boss man also did the uh, video editing and bang up job on the video editing. Yeah. Um, and of course I held the bass guitar. You, so. you look dazed at like drug <laughs> there in your set, just like a true bassist. All right. Now, Aaron, next week, it is edutainment week. Ooh, it's back. Again already. It's rolled hey, oh, around man. again. Oh no. We're going to be playing where in time is Carmen San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Get I believe ready. we mentioned that last. Didn't, didn't one of the guys that did the game last week work on that? I, I think he did. I think what? you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. So, and of course we want to thank boss man, Paul Harrington. Not only is he a fantastic drummer and video editor, he's also, he suggested this game to the Amigos game selection committee. And we want to thank the committee for voting on Nebulous. So thank you guys one and all. Absolutely. And before we get out of here, course we got to thank all the fine folks that have joined us live here on the stream this evening uh so uh you know these guys they help us out so much whenever we get something wrong they're always there to uh set us on the right path yes thank uh, you. pretty nice crowd tonight we've got pixels at dawn as uh our intrepid moderator pixels at dawn gaming make sure you check out his streams oh who was that guy you wanted me to mention aaron that just came back to streaming digital maniac for a uh, 3k 4k anyway he's back uh sakata streamed the other night so we're happy to see him back he he was he was sick he got a uh, car accident all kinds of crazy stuff so check his channel out when you get a chance he's also a member of our discord and a real good guy yeah yeah all right Thank you, guys. 69 Feats, thank you for being here. Amiga Live, Otten, Barkbit, Resort 83, Big Cortana, Bitstorm, Buck Owens, Carbob 14, Cobrian, Commander Root, Cowbird Boy, Da Crabs MTG, Dave Velociraptor joining us live from Scotland, Delamort 78, Droop Dog, Eeyore 4077, Frodo NL, Fito Payer, Hamo 1, Hermski, Home Plate, 
I am Paul H. Oh, Paul's with us. Uh, Level Lord, JK Dark Anubis, Kasserin, L. Curtis Boyle, All Hail, Mitsuyama, Nutty Matt, Olaf Hope, Pack Billy, Relish Drove, Retro Rewind.ca, Ricky DeRocher, RMC Retro, Rob O'Hara, Silly Gnome 225, Super Famicom, Tom Toms, Togadoza, VNK, Violets VTV, Figaro Pros, Wide World of Retro, Worlds of Rogue, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so much yes, thank for you. hanging out with us. All right, Aaron, it's time to say goodbye. We will see you guys next week for another uh, edition of Amigos, Edutainment Edition. Until then, adios. adios.